0: All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of FI Today, the podcast where we talk about banks, credit unions, payments, and more. Uh, my name is Kevin Mimoto, co-founder, COO of Identify, uh, also known as Moto.
1: Hello, Moto.
0: In today's episode, we have a really special guest. She ran sales enablement for a very large FI in the community bank. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's introduce Sabrina Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Sabrina. How are you?
1: I'm awesome. Thanks, Kevin. How are you?
0: Hey, good, good, good. So, before we jump in, because I do want to ask you a lot of questions about today's environment and what's going on with FIs around the country, um, why don't you just give the listeners a little backstory um, of who you are and how you got to where you are today?
1: All right. So, I started off an uh, organizational behavior, organizational psychology major and working at a couple of um, nonprofit organizations doing uh, behavior specialists and behavior modification. And then I moved into treasury and applied those same methodologies to sales teams. So starting at a community bank and running the treasury management sales team, including sales, sales support, implementation, product, all of that, but always had such a passion for the training side because I saw what a difference it made in the outcomes and the success of the organization when you prep your people. And then I moved to a large financial institution and same thing, ran a national sales support team for merchant. Um, and again, had such a passion for the training because I saw what wasn't working well and and the absence of what was needed. And so I moved over into strategy and execution to do sales enablement training and did that for um, many years before jumping on the identity platform. Uh, Bandwagon, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're so
0: we're so happy to have you. Um, and, and I guess you know, Sabrina. You know, having said all of that, when you think about you know the last, I guess, ten years of your career, um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you faced firsthand? You know, I know you talk with dozens and dozens of FIs today. What are some of the challenges that you're hearing? Let's let's have a discussion around that.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, it's it's no surprise. if you're in the financial industry, you're taking a lot of compliance training. Training is really heavily focused on compliance because of of the you know the regulations that our teams have to adhere to. Um, the other thing is that training is really focused on process, procedures and systems. Everything like the technology, the platforms, the jobs, everything's changing so fast. That most of the training is either focused on the compliance piece, or just how to, like, where do you go to log in to find something, or how to input data and get something done, instead of actually on, you know, what the teams are trying to accomplish, and most importantly, their engagement with with the clients.
0: Oh, I, I yeah, hundred <laughs> percent can relate to that. I remember when I was at, you know, a large FI, they'd say, hey, we uh, go ahead and you know, email this product fact sheet over to this customer and so you go on our internal site you look for 20 minutes you find something from eight years ago and you're like i'll just send this from eight years ago i don't have any more time to look around so definitely can relate to that
1: that's it you probably looked for that for 30 minutes to begin with so yeah you're out of time like that's not not,
0: not to mention too and you know this what I'm sending over looks like, I mean, it's a word doc from 10 years ago. It looks horrible, right? How, I can't put that in front of my customer. They're going to say, Kevin, what is this? Come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So then you're copying and pasting maybe like a chunk into an email or something and trying to make it your own words. But then how much time did you spend on that email? Just trying to wordsmith a few things. So
0: yeah, it's just, we, we, yeah, there's just a a lot of challenges there. And so I guess, you know, (laughs) The, the, that portion of it, in terms of collateral and training assets, that's definitely, and all the sales, I guess, customer-facing assets, getting access to that is, is an issue. Yeah. Um, what are What are some of the other challenges that you're seeing?
1: So the other challenges really kind of fall into resources and content development, kind of where we're going with this already. So you have you have kind of two experiences. You know, a large FI versus the smaller FI's is really different. So in the larger FI's. There's the bigger challenge is that oftentimes the the resources or the teams that that are dedicated to building the content and the training and delivering it sit in a different part of the organization than where the subject matter expertise. And so mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like a lot of times it's a learning and development team who gets all the instructional designers and can do content development. And They're responsible for all of that as a control function, but they don't know anything about sales or the products or so they have to rely so much on the sales team, pull the sales teams out of market. And then that process of just going back and forth, trying to translate that knowledge into something meaningful it, by the time it comes out, it's outdated. It already needs to mm. be redone, And then you got to get back in the queue because by the way, those L and D organizations are responsible for so much more than just the sales piece. And they're dealing with like D and I and all of these other initiatives that are going on. Um, that you're lucky if you even get in the queue or if you do, again, its stuff is outdated by the time you, you get it. And then on the yeah. side, yeah, it's the opposite. There's no resources, right? It's completely DIY. So maybe the sales team, maybe you have somebody who's passionate about sales like I was and is just kind of making stuff up as they go. Um, but is it accurate? Is it relevant? Um, are they skilled in teaching? you know, or translating the info um, or do they even have a platform to share it effectively? So, but most of the time there's nothing, right? There's, there's just no trading.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked to lots of, you know, community banks and credit unions at these, these conferences. And whenever we talk to product, I always bring up this analogy, which is, you know, you, you have a million things on your plate, creating sales collateral about your product is like the last thing on the total pole, right? You already have a million yeah. things. You don't. It's it's hard to just keep that up to date because there's so much that goes into it. Whether it's you know the product fact sheet or creating the PowerPoint. Um, not even talking yeah. about video. PowerPoint. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But just it, it just it just takes a long time. And then to your point, when it finally comes out, it's it's outdated. I mean, in your in your experience, um, I know at the you know the community bank level, it's a resource constraint. But even at the larger FI level, when you have I don't want to say endless resources, but lots of resources Mm -hmm. that, that process to create a, you know, new product training and assets. Like in your, in your opinion, how long does that take? Is that a pretty lengthy process?
1: Oh God. Yeah. And especially if we're talking, so you have product and you have sales. And then when you when you talk product, that's a whole nother thing. Cause now you're having your product team. A lot of times they push the burden on the product team to push that out. And that's not their expertise either, right? They're not trainers. They're good at product development. And if they're building, if they're spending hours like death by PowerPoint trying to build a deck, then they're not developing your product. And by the way, you're getting irrelevant like faster and faster by the minute. So the product product training is a whole nother thing. On, on the sales training, that process, like if you're coordinating with the L&D team, I mean, the rounds of reviews and interviews and then it goes to instructional design. I mean, best case scenario is months. I mean, even yeah. for... An hour two-hour-long training, and if you, and what what the sales teams are up against and what they're selling, change and technology is really complicated. That's not onboarding training like customer service, like call center training. That is complex thinking, problem solving, selling change, process engineering. Those things take expertise, and building something that's actually effective would take six to nine months easily to build. Just
0: oh, and, and can we can we agree the output as you said, it's normally just a PowerPoint, right? Or, or text. Yeah. And can we just agree? Like those suck. Like we don't, no one wants to actually read that. <laughs> yes. Right. Like yes. I remember, and you know, I've, you, you might even be listening to this podcast. I'm not sure, but I, I had a bunch of former managers that would say, you know, Moto, did you take the training? Of course, you know, you kind of just scroll through it, but no one, no one actually pays attention to that. Right. No. And so I was guilty of this. I'm sure there's lots of other <laughs> client facing reps who were, where. They're saying, "Hey, you need to take this training, learn about this product." "Cool, I'll take it." I'm, you know, I'll sure, I'll take it. And yeah. and what ends up happening is I might be, you know, be in front of a customer in the future and they might say, "Hey, tell me about this product or service." And you're kind of just, you know, talking about it from things that you've heard bits and pieces you've heard from other sales folks. It might not be entirely accurate. There's a there's a big problem there. But yeah. I think the it comes down to from from my opinion, right? It comes down to the assets that these teams, you know, sales enablement and L and D teams are generally sharing with their, the rest of their folks on their team, namely account managers, sales reps, etc. It's mm-hmm. is just, is just really old and outdated? And I'm not, even, we're not even, you know, I don't want to sit here and say like, it's their fault because it's not their fault.
1: No, you know, from no. My,
0: from my perspective, it's, you know, the FIs aren't arming their sales enablement, L and D teams and product managers with the right technology to make really engaging training assets. Um, so I don't know if you have more thoughts on that too.
1: I do, I actually, I, I think I, there's some things I wanna to touch on about what's working and what's not working, because I, I think you hit on a good point of that. It's not that they're doing anything wrong, it's that everything they're doing worked for for a while, for the way things were, but everything has changed so much and the training and the learning approach is has not caught up, is, is not up to date. But I wanted to ask you really quick, because we were talking about like the product training and your perspective as a salesperson, when you heard the word training, or like you have to go to training, I mean, what was your initial reaction?
0: Yeah, initial reaction was, uh, I could probably do this while, if it's not, well, if I'm not in front of my computer, could definitely do this while grocery shopping slash doing (laughs) other chores. If I'm in front of my computer... I guess I could just put my Zoom on my phone and not show my face and do other stuff. Like, yes, I think that's that's, that's normal, right? I'm not I'm Absolutely. not the only one.
1: Absolutely, I think training training became punishment. You know, it was kind of what it felt like. Or check the box, right? It's like, oh yeah, we gave everybody training, right? Um, yeah. So many times, I would have groups come to me and say, "We need training on this. We need training on that. We need," and training was not the solution that they were looking for. It wasn't even like that. They were trying to use training to solve all of these other problems, but that—that's a different podcast. Yeah, but it's a good, it's a good conversation. Boring. <laughs> it's a good conversation about what's working and what's not. So, um, so think about sales training. So, if they even have sales training, then they're already ahead of the game, right? A lot of organizations do have some sales training. The pro is that it provides a methodology. It provides accountability to a workflow. Um, You know, you can build tools and resources to to supplement that or reinforce that workflow, which is helpful. What's not working about how sales training is being done right now is a lot of times it's just like a one-time event. You go to a couple hours or... Even worse, like out of market for five days. So you're not responding to customers. You're not helping just to go to sales training and it, and it works and and you're together and you're feeling really motivated, but we know that, that people lose 80% of that knowledge within the first 30 days. So it's not reinforced. It's a one-time event. So sales training, that's kind of what's not working with them. How, How did that resonate with you as a salesperson?
0: Well, yeah. according to my wife, I'm more on like the 95, five, like losing 95% of whatever she tells me, uh, whatever. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, yeah, people will act engaged in the moment. Um, there's a lot of kind of raw, raw. If you go to a conference, you're talking about different products and services, yeah. but when you get back on the field to your point, you're you're going to lose a lot of that. Right. And, and then what we talked about earlier is, okay, so I lost it. Now let me go ahead and find it. I search forever to f- try to find it. When I do find something, it's from the, you know, 2010, yep. irrelevant, there's a bunch of new product enhancements. Then I'll, you know, ask David, hey, David, do you have the latest fact sheet? Oh no, um, it wasn't updated, so I updated one myself. And then you're worried about David's version of it versus Rom's yeah. version of it versus Amy's version. It's just like, you know, it's just a mess.
1: You know, it's funny that I didn't even think about that until you brought that up. I, You know, I remember there always being a lot of friction, right, between like product or training and sales of like, they're just updating their own decks or they're making their own resources. And yeah. and it's like they can't be doing that. and And they usually did suck because that's not their expertise. Right. But to me, it was like, well... What do they need that they don't have? If they're all doing that, it's because what we're giving them in whatever format it is isn't translating into a real cu- customer conversation, and they're the ones in front of the customer trying to translate this into something meaningful that fact sheet doesn't do it.
0: For sure, well, for sure. And here's here's what I always tell people, right? So let's imagine that we're not at work; we're just at home hanging out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, like a couple months ago, I had to—I buy, I had to. My wife bought my daughter a frozen kitchenette playset. Okay, go ahead, open the box. It's a beast, just like five thousand pieces. Right? My wife's like, "You need to put this together before she wakes up tomorrow." I'm like, "Okay, whatever. I'll, sure, I'll do it." So I open up the box. I'm like, "Oh crap! This is this is not going to be easy." First thing I do, do I read the direction manual, or do I YouTube it? <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's a no brainer. Right. And so everyone just goes to YouTube to watch content. Video is just a million times better than reading. Yet when we ask FIs around the country, there's maybe a a small fraction that actually have video learning. And if it's, if it's video learning, you know, again, it looks like it's a video from, 2000. It's not
1: not generally
0: that good. And so, I mean, let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, do you find that video training at FIs is a best practice? Like, What can can FIs do to make their sales enablement and training teams more effective?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not a best practice there, just meaning it's not in action, at least not at any of the FIs I've talked to or worked at. And I think that's a result of what we were talking about with like the backlog of resources. It's focused on what the team who delivers it can do versus Mm -hmm. on what the learner actually needs or the team actually needs in a way that they need it. So creating a video, most organizations, uh, you know, FIs is going to be more challenging to update or fix and they're like, and their mindset, right? It's easier to go back and fix a Word document really quickly. Although there's not really a good system to maintaining that, but mm-hmm. it's easier to go back and like just change a word than re-record a video. And then they don't have the technology, they don't have the approval process, you know, all of all of those things. So that's why it's really text-heavy, reading-focused, you know, fact sheet-focused, or worse. Um, well, I shouldn't say worse. It was it was a attempt in the right direction, like to have a live webinar and have everybody on there and then record the webinar and then make it oh available back for playback. But you can't control like it's helpful to hear the the conversations or the questions. But then also it's not effective learning. Right. Like, again, that that was about what the people producing the training needed or like what was easy for them. Not was not what was easy for the learner how they needed it,
0: you know? Listen, I, I've i talked about this so many times at different <laughs> events and conferences. And so for those FIs watching right now, like recording Zoom calls don't work. No one, no one watches the recording, okay? But <laughs> so here's normally, again, you have more insight into this, Sabrina. Here's from my perspective what happens. Normally, again, someone in product or L&D or enablement will say, hey, we're rolling out ABC product, let's put together a fact sheet. Let's go ahead and make a PowerPoint. It's like super, super long, very product focused, text heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then let's go ahead and have a Zoom call. And let's write everyone on the team. So let's have like 50 to 100 people on the Zoom call. Okay, no one pays attention to the Zoom call, right? But hey, don't worry, that's fine because we're actually gonna go ahead and record our Zoom call and put it right. on our SharePoint site. I mean- you can
1: go back and listen to it over and over. Yeah,
0: <laughs> okay. Have you ever gone back on SharePoint and watched one of those videos? And be honest. Never. Really? I've I never have. I don't even. I like when I was at that fi. I didn't even know where that was. Right. Like I, it didn't even. It didn't even cross my mind to rewatch that SharePoint or the Zoom recorded video in SharePoint. And yep. I think most most people. I mean, like I'm. I'm weird. I mean, you're very normal and nice. I'm weird, but I would say most people are more like us, where. I don't wanna have to go and look at a SharePoint site and try to find a video that's relevant. It's not like I'm not gonna do that.
1: No. No, you wanna get you wanna get to the point. So what most what most salespeople are doing in that situation is they're calling someone that they know has sold that product or recently had a deal or is, you know, a mentor or a buddy that they look up to, a top performer, they're gonna call that person, ask them their perspective. Or they're gonna call the product person. And that product person has that many reps or that many you know, people calling them one-off just to have individual conversations or invite them to a, a strategic call because they want they oh. them on there because i don't have time to learn it by the way this is times 80 products and even when they have really good deep dives it's like what once a month so 12 products a month you get to learn about and who knows if that you have a deal or a customer who even has that product or that's relevant to your portfolio at that time. Like you might even see a a deal that has that product until six months later. So you're either gonna only push the products you understand, whether the customer needs that or not, or you're gonna go back to this, like phone a friend or try to get a product person on every call. Oh, well, you just
0: just hit a a big point with product folks, and and you know this too. Um, (laughs) A lot of these product folks, they're on the exact same rinse and repeat sales calls all the time. So, you know, I have a, a dear friend of mine, product manager at a large FI, uh, who's the product manager with FedNow, and he's had the exact same FedNow conversation over and over and over again. You would think at this point, you know, he, he would, people would, like the salesperson, would understand, be able to articulate it, but no, that he, he's asked to be on a lot of these calls, right? And so the question is for the FIs is this, why don't you just record it? And so that it's a, it's more controlled, it's a better recording. And then you can just share that recording with your client so that they can watch it on demand and at their time. And you're, you're freeing up hours and hours of that product manager's time. I mean, we're talking, 20 to 30 hours a week, he's on the phone with his prospects and customers talking about yeah. FedNow. Um, that would literally free up at least 75% of his time, I would imagine. I mean, that's a that's a huge time save.
1: What would that do for your product development roadmap?
0: Right. Yeah. Boom.
1: Right. I mean, we talk about what if we reduce the administrative burden on the sales team or the sales support team, and they were actually sales support again. We said that's another trend, but... Um, but, but the same thing on the product team, you know, how much time are they spending away from product development? And, um, yeah, I just, I feel like the burden, you know, that's the need, right? It's like, instead of punishing the behavior, why not get curious about the clues it's giving you about how things are changing and what they need and when they need it and then sell for that.
0: Yeah. I love going
1: right directly to the customer. I mean... You know why not start the conversation that far ahead the customer's already knowledgeable and interested and now coming to you and saying tell me more
0: i mean yeah there's going to be a whole another podcast on that i mean there's a lot of data that shows that millennial buyers um, the majority want a rep-free buying experience, meaning that they don't want to interact with any salesperson at all during the buying process. So yeah. we'll talk about that. That's that's a whole another topic yeah. that is very near and dear to, <laughs> to both of our hearts, I know. Um, but I guess, you know, kind of as we're wrapping up, Sabrina, wh- what are some things that, you know, if, if you're an FI and you know that your training assets aren't being well-received or, or being underutilized, what are some things that you could do right away that are really easy to just elevate your entire program?
1: Well, so if I think about my approach or my philosophy to it, it kind of falls into two buckets and then I'll give some quick hits or some easy tips. So first I I think about it in people, purpose, patterns. So start with your people, right? What they need, when they need it, try to make it as relevant as possible, relevant to their job, their portfolio, you know, their partner and make it easy for them and make it engaging, right? So easy to consume, like relevant, fast, but then also the team. So, um, you know, selling and a lot of activities in the financial institution is a team sport. And a lot of times the only people who get the training are the salespeople. But they're only a part of the workflow and then nobody else in the workflow has gotten the same benefit so even the partners on the line side or you know obviously i'm thinking more on the treasury side because that's my background but it's the same you know it goes both ways it's a team sport so everybody who's involved in that workflow needs the same information the same training and philosophy so when you think about um your people you know, think about peer sharing and that's easy to do you can do that with no technology no platform you probably already have a forum in your financial institution most people do of where can they share success stories or where can they get on the same page um and then encouraging kind of that that group collaboration mm-hmm. and then the purpose piece is huge so connecting people to the bigger reason and the outcomes of what they do not not like the sales goal not the not the internal metrics but who they're helping. So for our sales folks, it's the customer. Like, what does that look like in the real world? How does that change that customer's business? How does that change their employee's life or day-to-day experience? I don't mean to be dramatic, like change their life, but that's that's you know oftentimes what what we're selling is is change and it's a future state and how do you stay relevant and what's going on in the world and where do you want to be and how do I help you get there so thinking about that bigger purpose and then patterns think hmm. about the patterns that you want to see what are the repeatable like skills behaviors that happen over and over again that drive drive those outcomes and so if you focus on that with your folks You know, a lot of times what I see people do is they pick everything. There's like 30 performance objectives and there's going to be 25 trainings. And it's like, Mm. nobody can do all that. So focus on two or three things and help people be really good at that. And that is just a less is more. So whatever you're already doing, look at it. And if it's more than three things... Pick the top three and then get super focused on that. Get everybody on the same page. Managers, the team members, the metrics, the reporting, everything. And just just make it simpler. Um, And then I would say break it down, right? Like no cognitive overload. Even if all your organization does is death by PowerPoint and it's a three-hour long webinar, look at it and chop it up. How can we chop this up? Like how could it be maybe five... 30 minute things and then don't make it a live recording. Like to your point, you know, like with all the question and answer and the first five minutes is introduction and waiting for people to join. And I'm just fast forwarding to get to the point, like just like chop it up and you can do that for free with whatever you have, like whatever you have already. Um, So that's kind of the, the people purpose patterns. And then the other piece I would say is just focus on learn, watch, do so we get learn really well. That's, that's like the concepts, the foundational knowledge, like all the fact sheets. And I'm just reading, 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 but where it starts to fall off is watch. So, you know, on the job or videos or success stories, hearing real life stories. And then the do is like, is just trial by fire. There's no practice. There's no coaching. I mean, or, or not in this really structured way. So, help people like learn the concept and watch it in action, whether that's a peer, like buddying them up or that's videos of people doing it really well, you know, just a variety of things and then give them a chance to, to practice Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, get, get some real world coaching and experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing I would just say is that it's really easy. So people are used to, as you said earlier, people are used to Word and PowerPoint because they can quickly edit it, they feel comfortable with it. Yeah. I think we're in an age right now where everyone feels at least, maybe not comfortable, but they can easily pull out their phone and you know take a, a selfie or a video of themselves, right? Yeah. And even something as simple as that, coming from the product manager just saying, you know, Hey, in this short video, I'm going to tell you about the benefits of faster payments, right? Even that's, and have a 30 second clip, but that's way more impactful than a 40 page PowerPoint. Folks will actually watch it. They'll listen to it. And you only want them, even if they just need to remember two or three points, they're much, in my opinion, it's it's just a much better way to to do it rather than, you know, a 50 page PowerPoint. But, you know, may, maybe I'm weird and I just don't like reading the PowerPoints and the Word docs, but I think I think most people are like me.
1: I agree. And and you bring up a good point. I, I think that's probably the downfall of a lot of financial institutions and in being able to keep up and stay relevant is they're too worried about perfection. And I know that that has a lot to do with just the industry, but you can have, you can control risk and have the pro- proper oversights and get content out quickly. And video, to your point, is actually mm-hmm. faster than doing scripts and facilitate like, facilitator guides, and then, you know, all of the stuff that goes with that takes months and months and months, like, just get to the point and and use the technology that everybody has. And then, you know, you can control like when and how it's accessed. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be perfect. People actually prefer to hear from their peers and hear real world examples um, than hear something that's like, perfectly polished by some facilitator who's never been yeah. in their business.
0: 100%, 100%. Well, hey, Sabrina, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your time this morning. Um, we really appreciate it. Hopefully you out there listening to this podcast also found it to be really valuable. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us um, on LinkedIn and Identify. Um, we're always there. So thank you so much for listening and uh, see you